Welcome to Break It Down, a ScanSource podcast brought to you by Cisco. On this podcast, we take complex tech topics and break them down for the non-tech listener with your host, Ian, Kyle, and Philip. All right. Welcome back to Break It Down, a ScanSource podcast. I'm your host, Ian. Joined as always, co-hosts, Kyle and Philip. How are we doing? Doing great, Ian. Can't wait to talk about our fun, fun topic today. Yep. That's almost the weekend. We got 3D printing on the docket, boys, and I know nothing about 3D printing. Not true. I know that they make houses with 3D printing. Now. <laughs> and that we used to have a segment at ScanSource for it. Yep. I had enough notice that we were recording this uh, that I went to a friend of mine and I said, you own a consumer-grade 3D printer? And he said, yes, I do. And I said, I'm going to ask you some questions because I have to prep for a podcast. Guess who never did that? So, uh, not a good friend. No, I'm definitely not. I would argue we talked about the last episode with Cloud being kind of the capstone project of everything we talked about leading up to it. It was our one division season finale. This is, we're just starting a new universe. We're going Marvel to Star Wars here. We're just <laughs> forget everything you heard on this show. We're starting over, folks. Yep. Don't forget it. It was all important stuff and it makes you smarter. Don't forget it. But this is different. That's right. This one's going to be tough to create continuity between the rest of the series and this one. But that's the point is that we're introducing technology that many people don't know how it works. doesn't have to be uh, connected to everything else. I don't know. Again, don't know a lot. Maybe we're, we're going to get to a point where some of the technology that Cisco sells will be 3D printed one day. Yeah, everything will be one day so how does it work where do you guys want to start i know you always uh, tee this off as the beginning treat us like we're five years old yeah this one i feel like is perfect for that because yeah i feel like that's it's like play-doh yep well i'll start the way i normally do which is uh the timeline of the technology uh as rough as we can we can define it we're all accustomed to what we call 2D printing. By the way, huge math nerd, you can't touch anything that's two-dimensional. So 2D printing doesn't exist. A piece of paper is at least some microns tall. That's the third dimension. Anyway, whatever, off off the soapbox there. But if you think about 2D printing or printing on paper, you know, inkjet printers is just pushing liquid ink through nozzles into paper and letting the paper absorb it or printing on the top, depending on what type of uh, medium you're using. And then laser printers came along and laser printers are, uh, as we'll talk about, is pretty close to a 3D printer because the medium in a laser printer is actually powder. And before it's printed, that powder is fused into the liquid that goes onto the paper, which is how 3D printing works. Yeah, so not to get meta, and you already said it, but that's, and I know it's not what we're talking about, but that's technically 3D printing. Yeah, yeah. In, in the sense that we all, well, no one thinks this way yet. If you're listening to this, you're either fact checking me or you're here to learn. So the fact checkers, this is FDM. This is fused deposition modeling. This is, you know, taking some form of material and melting it so that you can uh, build from it. We can talk about that more later. But I mean, that's essentially what a laser printer is with the cartridges from laser printer. So anyway, 
so you got that that uh, that two D printing stuff, and uh, you know, inkjet. I guess the first what we would think is the new three D printing, where you're actually building something. You know, it started in the seventies. Uh, really became really yep. Really became popular or patented. I would say maybe it wasn't popular, but it became patented in the eight in the mid eighties. But the the first time something other than ink was uh, was was pressed through a nozzle in a printing environment was back in very very early seventies. I think again for the fact checkers out there, we all love Wikipedia. Uh, we don't know how much of it's true, but there's a story out there on the internet about the uh, about this guy named uh, Hideo uh, Kodama. Maybe I'd have to go look it up again. But anyway, he prototyped it took it to his boss and his boss said, no one will ever buy this. This isn't a good idea. And, uh, threw it out. So, <laughs> so look, along comes this guy named Bill Masters in the mid eighties. And he, he defines the first patent for what a 3d printer is. So anyway, so there's a lot of what's happened. Like you already referenced building buildings, homes, um, 3d printed buildings. There's lots of other use cases out there, but I guess that the, uh, what we, most of us know is this, FDM version of printing that all, all of us at home that own 3D printers use to make gadgets. So uh, that again, that FDM is the, the fused deposition modeling, which is the the taking some some material, some substrate, and melting it down into uh, a material that can easily easily be extruded through a nozzle. And then the, the the science behind how you build the thing is is a bunch of math. So much more math and architecture. So to use words I know, there is like a plastic polymer that like solid block shape, whatever shape that these printers melt down and then just shoot out into the, you know, predisposed yep. shape. Yep. That's the consumer version of 3D printing that we all think of when you see small print it's it's what we focused on at scan source when, uh, like yeah said, i have a fidget a, spinner that they made me years ago yeah. so that was printed from uh, or the material is a filament so it looks like you know one giant spool of spaghetti noodle uh, and you feed the filament into the 3d printer the head in the 3d printer melts the filament to make it a, a liquid close to a liquid uh, so that it can then be spread into the design, uh, and then that filament cools in the air and becomes rigid enough that you can cover right across it and put another layer uh, layer on the top. It's a crazy amount of science that goes into, well, how much does it cool before it can't be adhesive to the next layer above it? But again, lots of math involved uh chemistry involved, all that fun stuff. But yeah, that fidget spinner was printed out of a, a filament that's a it's a polymer. It's a it's a plastic that has a, a fairly low melting point, so that uh, these consumer grade products can melt it down to the point to make it malleable. But yeah, so that's that's the, what we know. And again, that's the FDM version of of three D printing. All you know, all these other things we'll talk about, like the printing houses. That material isn't melted. It it state it was started as a liquid. It comes out as a liquid. But the science behind the design is similar. So what's the and obviously, this change over, changes over time. I'm sure if you go back to the you know, 20 years ago, this is different. But today, what is the limitations on this? I mean, not from a commercial consumer standpoint, but or not from a consumer standpoint, more from like a industrial 
3D printing, what is the limitations on it? So I think, so there's a couple. One is this physical size of the thing you're trying to print. Again, if you, you look at consumer 3D printers, you're printing in 3D. So you have to have an X and a Y and a Z axis. Yay, math. And so the surface that will hold the thing you're printing has to be bigger than the thing you're printing, obviously. And so you have these this head that moves in an X, Y, and a Z axis up and down and is adding layers to the thing you're printing. So the limitation of what you can print is defined by the space you have to run these this machine or the arm essentially around around the outside. If when again we keep teasing this this housing thing, which I'm sure we'll get to in, in a good bit, but you have to have cranes involved to run you know nozzles to print really large uh, housing projects. Another limitation would be the material that you're using. So uh, 3D printing is being used in healthcare now to print organs and print limbs and things like that. So the material that you're running through the machine is also another limitation. Science is, just like technology, science is advancing leaps and bounds every quarter of a calendar year. So uh, I don't see there's much of a, a limitation there. So you, you just end up looking at physical space, temperature, UV affects it. I'll never print anything in this room that I'm sitting in right now because in about 10 minutes, I'm going to be blinded by the sunlight uh, that comes through this window. If there's uh, any exposure, high exposure to UV can mess up a 3D printing job. So anyway, so I, I think really limitations are materials. What types of materials are we trying to use and uh, physical space? So on that note, I feel like the origins of 3D printing, at least commercially, were in prototyping. Yep. At least I have friends who own companies that do 3D printing for prototypes. But to me, and maybe this is a myth where I get a little confused, the benefit of 3D printing is cost, right? Like we're producing things at cheaper price point than we would if we had raw materials. It's a cost is a huge part of it, right? So you're exactly right. Uh, 3D printing before it had such a cool name. You, you can see it called all kinds of things. Rapid prototyping is one of its early names. Uh, additive manufacturing is another name. That's That one's stuck around. You'll still see that used. But yeah, the the benefits to it are doing prototyping. Again, in, in, if you're a manufacturer and you want to you you create a physical representation of your idea, you can do that through, you know, using um, CAD software and other things, you know, slicers, all the, all the, the software that goes into 3D printing, uh, you can make your idea become tangible. So yes, rapid prototyping is one thing. Mass producing um, widgets that you would uh, previously use with uh, high expensive robotics or even human labor to create, that's a huge benefit. I think, you know, if you start looking at, you know, 3D printing houses, the benefit to that is that you can take a 3D printer into an impoverished area and put up housing really quickly and, and at a very low cost. And so there's a huge benefit to, you know, humanity in that sense of 3D printing. But in the commercial use, it's mostly it's mostly prototyping. And uh, we're just I think we're just starting to see 3D printing used to mass produce items. So that was kind of where I was going is there's this benefit on price, and we already knew that it worked for prototyping. This might sound dumb, but why hasn't it taken off more? Yeah, well, I think 
I think it's about to. I mean, I literally, I think we're right on the cusp of. So it's becoming more of a consumer play, which will drive, which will drive business. But if you spend any time on Etsy, most of the stuff that's out there these days was printed by someone. Not most of the stuff. There's a bunch of stuff out there that was printed at home because someone had an idea, and now they can mass produce these whatever these widgets are that they've created and sell them. And no longer do they have to take an idea and then go farm it out to some manufacturing company and ask them to do the prototyping and then send back and then do all these things, right? So you can become a widget manufacturer yourself at home. So it's creating a small revenue stream for for consumers, for sure. There's an entire, again, I'm a huge nerd. I do all the all the the physical gamings, board games, and whatnot. There's a whole market out there of people printing miniatures for games. So, again, somebody has an idea, they download a plan or they design a plan in CAD, put it into a 3D printer, and out comes their idea. So, consumer 3D printers, roughly 200 bucks now. That's dramatically down from where it used to be. I feel like that's what I paid for a printer in college, like a normal yep. printer. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I just printer, like two months ago. Yeah. Yep. So it's a year ago, two years ago, you try to buy today's 3D printer, it's two times that much, two, two and a half times that much. So it's becoming affordable for the, for the normal user to own one and start playing around with it. And as you know, with any, any technology, the moment you get the general population using it, in, in a personal environment, the more they want to drive it into their, their business environment. So we will start to see things. Uh, I think, honestly, I think healthcare is one of the biggest opportunities for 3d printing. So the, as we start to, and that's, we're just, we're just getting there right now. So again, you can't just print a plastic heart and put it in someone. It's got to have tissue and material, you know, like, you know, human material in it. So as that technology and that science evolves, you're going to start seeing uh, 3D printing in a non-residential, non-consumer market uh, really take off. So from the, just from the convert or from the um, consumer side, how difficult is it if you buy a $200 printer to design something and print it that looks like Ian's widget instead of looks like a, just a square box. How difficult yep. is the CAD design piece of it? That has its own uh, challenges, obviously. There's a whole population of people that think in two dimensions, not think in three dimensions. So you put something, a three-dimensional model in front of the random Joe, they might not be able to uh, fathom it, much less design it uh, to look like what they want. So there's an architectural challenge. There's a design challenge for um, creating your idea. Now, the great thing about what's happened now is that with crowdsourcing and with, uh, you know, these share networks that have popped up, you can download plans for next to nothing, if not nothing, load them into some CAD software and then manipulate it. So there's lots of packages, software packages out there that are, um, you know, try to lower the barrier of entry for people getting into 3D printing to make it more consumer targeted. But it's, again, it's still design. It's like, if you look at, if you look at CAD software, or you look at a slicer for that, you need to create the layers for your, your 3D project. Like it, it can get overwhelming if you're not a huge math nerd. Yeah. I'm just thinking like you were joking earlier about your pottery barn room. 
like get, get to the point where I'm going to be able to, my wife's going to say, Hey, I need a new side table here and I'm going to go to go in the garage and print, you know, or maybe, you know, go down the street to the furniture store and they're going to be able to print me yep. a piece of furniture the size I want. That's wild. Yep. It, that's where we're headed. I mean, we're, we've got uh, food being 3D printed now. We've got fashion being 3D printed. We, we talked about healthcare. We talked about housing. Like, again, geeking out a little bit. I, imagine being able to do uh, long space missions where astronauts' food is being 3D printed on the spaceship. Like, you don't, you, you, all you have to do then is pack materials. You don't have to pack all the, you know, ripe bananas in a box like you just mcdonald's has been doing this for years kyle with pink slime okay don't act yeah. like we're inventing this now that's right that's right i knew somebody was gonna bring up the the pink slime that's... don't act like this is new <laughs> no that, i mean that's i don't know why i went here we i think we're talking about plastic so much but i feel like it's a great thing for like recycled materials as well where if we're already I'm going to really dumb this town, melting things down and yep. reusing them. That's right. I mean, that's literally what recycling is at a very like f- foundational level. So to me, as far as like the continued like push to be more green and, and environment friendly. Yeah. Let's continue to use this for recycled materials. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. So same, the same materials that we're printing Using in 3D printers, the, these filaments are the same materials you make water bottles out of. It's, I mean, chemically, it's the same product. So why are we not 3D printing everything then? Like, I know we were joking about that, but like, why are access points and like, like the the plastic components at least yeah. of the things we're using? Why are they not being 3D printed? Today? I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I feel like in the future, my kids, all of their Christmas presents are gonna be 3D printed. And I'm <laughs> I might will become Santa Claus. So. Yeah. Well, it's a uh, spoiler alert. I hope our audience is older than 12. Yeah. Geez. Yeah. <laughs> we have a whole new base if they're younger than 12. We did not there know. It's not our target demo. Not our target demographic. That's right. So I think in today, 3D printed materials take forever. So our 3D printed product, it takes forever to print it. You know, some of these uh, large projects that we see have 48 hours of print time. And that's not one job. That's not it running for 48 hours. Cause again, you have to let the product cure before you can come across the top of it. So 48 print hours might take eight weeks to print. So, I mean, that's a large project, but if you're looking at small projects, again, a couple of hours of print hours might take a full calendar day. So until, and I don't even know if this is foreshadowing because I don't know enough about chemistry to even throw this out there as a possibility, but until materials can cool and adhere to other materials, we're always going to be limited by the laws of chemistry and the laws of physics. And it's just going to take time to print. So the benefit we get, you know, in the access point world is you got these large manufacturers that are dealing with a huge amount of plastics and they just pour plastics into mold and then super cool them. And that, that can take just seconds, literally seconds to do that. So 3D printing an item will take a lot longer than that. I think the other thing, just honestly, 3D printed products don't look great. They still look 3D printed. They're rough edged. Yeah, they, they look cheap. So for replacement parts for your lawnmower, who cares? That's a great opportunity to 3D print something. But if you're going to hang an access point in a commercial environment, you probably want something that doesn't look like it's got all these little stray hairs coming off of it. 
as it's been printed. That's fair. Yep. We need to advance the technology more is the answer. Yep. And it's going to. It's only a matter of time, right? How is this using, I'm sure every type of technology is used in a malice way in some ways. How is this being used in a bad way? That's a great question. I don't know if this is going to make the air because I don't, I don't have a, a great answer for you. But I've been wondering the same thing, Phil. You think about our current safety measures in just about everything. Well, I could print something. If you think about firearms, that's way out there, right? I mean, you still have casings and all that stuff that's made out of metal. And it's required in order to fire a gun. But you can create a whole bunch of stuff. I hope that's definitely not foreshadowing. Yeah. That's, I, I was just thinking through the, like, I mean, I can at any point have a $200 printer and print a knife. Like, yep. that's yep. limitless. So Yep, that's right. Yeah, we uh, we haven't really geeked out on filament materials in this episode. Those that are listening to it and fact-checking us are going to want some some reference of uh, the types of filaments. But, you know, all those little spools of, of uh, plastics that we've been talking about, they come in different types specifically for that so that you can print something that's very rigid and will hold up to heat. Most of the cheap ones, uh, if you 3D printed something and left it on the dash of your car, it's going to melt uh, or in or, uh, disform. But they make materials that are strong enough that you couldn't, uh, they become brittle when they're finished. So if they're, if they have that amount of strength in them to, to become brittle, then they're, they're hard materials. So yeah, there, uh, there, there's a whole bunch. You'll see all those. That's alphabet soup, man. That's the alphabet soup of 3D printing. It's ABS and PLA, PETG and TPU, like all these different types of filaments. But you can, t- to your question earlier, Ian, you can print just about anything these days, even things that are squishy and, and you know, move and not just these hard, rigid plastic objects that we, we see in the news. Again, we're 3D printing organs now. So that's... Those have to move and and flow. Are there, we're really testing you here. Are (laughs) there like disclosures? So like, do if you're going in for a open heart surgery, I'm sure you are aware that you're getting a 3D printed heart as to a... The healthcare industry hasn't advanced far enough that you could even surprise someone with it. Like the, the material differences between an actual live organ and something that's been 3D printed with, you know, bio ink is what they call it, but artificial tissue. I like that name. Yeah. You would never be surprised by it. Uh, they have all the, the uh, technology also hasn't advanced far enough yet that you could have a, a large organ, like a heart uh, 3D printed. It's just, it's just too complex of an organ, but you're starting to see things like liver and, whatever, you know, I would say, I was going to say less important organs. All that one's pretty important, especially if, uh, if Phil's drinking a beer over there, but yes. yeah, so you would have to make a willful decision to have a 3d printed organ in, in 2021. Good to know. I'm good. I feel like I, I'm going to go play with my three printed fidget spinner and reflect. On <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and apologize to everybody who, listens to this under the age of 12. Um, we didn't know you listened to us, but we- <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, we, uh, we did tease the housing thing a, a good bit. I just want to close with some comments on it. Uh, 3D printed houses has been around for a long time, guys. 
just uh, yeah, just cement, right? That's I yep. feel like we're really rebranding, like pouring cement walls. 3D printing, the, the current concept of what a 3D printer is has been used to create houses since the mid-2010s. It's just all of a sudden vogue in the news now because someone put it on, put one on the market. So it's like the first one that's passed inspection and can be sold in a, a U.S. market. So it's really cool because it's bringing, creating awareness for for 3D printing. And again, like I said, it's it, it's a technology that can be used in impoverished areas. But I look at a 3D printed house and I ask the question, how do you mount a light switch if your walls are made out of concrete? So I so somebody solve that for me and then I'll, then I'll uh, buy into 3D printed houses. Also, this just hit me. 3D printed houses and 3D printing in general is the perfect gen millennium and gen whatever z technology because it's the like all of those isn't this soothing instagram videos 3d printing is exactly that like look at this thing get printed over and over again like it's the perfect instagram technology that people are going to like cling on to because that's where i saw 3d printed houses the first time so they've got good branding out there yep yep that's right yeah, it's, it's unlikely that our grandparents are ever going to adopt living in a 3D printed house. But generation in high school right now, maybe. They might do it just because it's cool. And there's a whole population on this earth of people that are living in it. Because I was going to say, like, we got small homes and storage container homes. Yeah. Yep. You got I also think there could be an environment thing as well. I don't know. Hey, if everything in your house is wireless then who cares whether or not you uh, drill into the wall. So there, we'll, we'll create some continuity with talking about wireless and IoT devices. There you go. Smart home, all through the cloud. You won't have to worry. Yeah, everything's running on batteries. All right. Until next time. Today's episode is sponsored by Cisco Marketing Velocity. Marketing Velocity helps partners grow their revenue and engage customers through innovative marketing strategies. With campaign planning, educational learning, and more, Cisco helps you reach new customers, increase profitability, and bring value to your business.